Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 22. Turn to Hebrews eleven, twenty-two. Following in our series now, we're looking at Joseph. Joseph was one who was faithful unto death. Hebrews eleven twenty-two. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22 reads, By faith Joseph, when he died made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Like Isaac and Jacob mentioned just before him in this passage, demonstrated faith at the end of their lives. Having faith at the end of their lives remind us that faith is not something just to have during the good years but also to have in the declining years of our lives. Someone has said the approach of death does not diminish the worth of faith. It enhances it. Joseph had the cherished promise that had been given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now demonstrates his own confidence in the God of heaven. The dominant idea of his faith is a triumphant deliverance. And we see his faith demonstrated in two specific areas. Joseph had a faith that believed despite adverse circumstances. And he had a faith that acted despite the impossible. So with that, I'd like us to consider four things this morning about Joseph who was faithful unto death. Notice with me the first thought, the perseverance of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 22 says, By faith Joseph when he died. I'm going to have you in a moment turn back to the book of Genesis and we're going to look at a couple of things. In fact, why don't you turn there now, Genesis chapter 37. What's amazing about Joseph is that he is now as recorded in the book of Genesis, which this passage is alluding to, he's come to the end of his life, and he is still trusting God. You would think, with all the abuses he endured, Joseph, as much as anybody, would have a right to throw up his hands, to toss aside his faith, and say, that's it, I've had enough. But he didn't do that, did he? Genesis chapter 37, we see the story of he as a young man who was sold as a slave into Egypt. And the tragedy of this, he was sold by his own brothers. Over in chapter 39, we're not going to read these passages. I just want to be familiar with them as we're going through this. and So you see the span of these events. Genesis chapter 39, while he was a slave, he was falsely accused by his master's wife of trying to seduce her. He rejected her advances, choosing to follow God in living righteously rather than to enjoy the fruit of sin for a season. Then we see also in chapter 39 that he suffered imprisonment because that woman falsely accused him uh, with assault. He suffered long imprisonment while he was there in Egypt, yet he continued to live a righteous life. And then in Genesis chapter 40, notice verse 14, says, but think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness, I pray thee unto me and make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. This is following the event that took place when Joseph was given the, the responsibility of being keeper of other prisoners while in prison and the Pharaoh's butler 
and baker were in prison with them. They both had a dream. Joseph interpreted that dream and told them what was, what was going to take place, that in three days one would be restored to his position and then the other would be uh, executed and not restored to his position. And uh, he said, when you go back to the Pharaoh, please, please tell him about me. The point was he was imprisoned unjustly and he wanted somebody to do something to help him to get out of this situation. Well, the point is this, in all of the frustrations, because you remember the story, how that when the um, the butler went back to the Pharaoh, he forgot. <laughs> he forgot about Joseph. It was two years before he remembered revent of Joseph in the, the prison helping him. But anyway, the point is this, that through all of this, all of the frustration, all of the pain, all of the, the heartache that he endured, he didn't lose his faith in God. His faith persevered through evil times. He believed God, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what it cost him, he was a man who was living in a foreign land. He was a man who was wrongly imprisoned. He was a man who had greatly been mistreated and abused, and yet he demonstrated an undying faith in the Lord. And what's amazing now in Genesis 50, as he comes to the end of his life, which this passage in Hebrew is alluding to, he hasn't turned his back on God. Sad to say that there are many Christians or professing Christians who have enjoyed the blessings of God in their lives. And then when things get tough, when struggles arise, when obstacles appear, they forget God and follow another path. They throw up their hands and say, why is God doing this to me? But you know, God is always faithful. God will provide a way around the obstacles. He will allow us to go over the stumbling blocks. He will show us a way through the valleys and demonstrate his faithfulness to us. Not just for the years when we feel we're strong Christians and things are going well, but throughout our entire lives. For believers, as we age, we should never lose sight of the fact that God, who was the God of our youth, is also the God of our golden years. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yea, God is a comfort to us and will pass through the valley with us. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, Will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof? Oh, all of the calamities that can take place in the world, and certainly we recognize there's a lot of unrest and uncertainty in the world today, but God is still 
in control. 1 Corinthians 15.57 is the voice of victory where Paul said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph somehow got a hold of that truth and all through his life he trusted the Lord even unto the end he believed that God was faithful. Jesus addressed this in John 16, 33, when he said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world." Oh, we need to get our eyes on Jesus and off the problems and struggles and difficulties of life. Why? Because faith can survive the worst of times. We have no reason to reject our faith. We have no reason to turn our back on God because circumstances turn against us. I remember as a young Christian and uh, working with a, a pastor in Natchez, Mississippi, a godly old man, Dr. James Crumpton. He asked me how I was doing one day and I said, well... Pretty good under the circumstances. And he said, what are you doing under there? He had such a kind way of rebuking me. And I gave him so many opportunities to do so. But uh, we don't need to be subject to our circumstances. The circumstances for a number of us this morning is age is creeping up on us. Time is passing us by. The strength of body has diminished. The ability to accomplish the task that we once did easily are now difficult. God is faithful all through the days of our lives, all the way until the time he calls us home. Joseph believed that. And just as God was faithful to him through those difficulties, he didn't give up on trusting God. No, he had a faith that persevered. Someone has said true faith will not wilt under the heat of difficult times. Another has said trust God in spite of the badness of the way. Distrust self in spite of the comforts of the way. Yes, trusting the Lord. Well, not only did he have a faith that persevered, we see the proclamation of his faith. In our text in Hebrews eleven twenty two, it reads, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. He made mention of it. Joseph publicly declared his belief that one day the children of Israel were going to be released from the land of Egypt and they would again, or excuse me, they would enter into the promised land and claim the inheritance that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and as well Joseph, believing that God would fulfill that promise. But he believed it and he spoke it. He wasn't a secret believer in the promises of God. He demonstrated the need, if you will, or by example, the ability to declare what he believed in his heart. You know, too many of us as Christians are silent about the things that we believe. Oh, we are men and women of faith. We love God. We follow the Lord. We read his word. We obey his precepts. We seek to follow his judgments and his commandments. Yet we are sometimes silent 
in regard to vocalizing what we believe to others around us. How many of us in our neighborhood or in our workplace have the reputation of being a Christian? It's so sad to think that many men and women who profess Christ as their Savior work every day among folks who have no idea they're a Christian. Now, a lot of us, mostly you, I mean, we live here on site, but a lot of you, you leave your homes every Sunday. Some of you leave home Sunday morning, some Sunday night, some come out for Wednesday night, but your neighbors see you coming and going on the Lord's Day. Ah, they know, they know there's something different about you, and that's good, but that's just a start. You see, seeing you come and go on Sunday doesn't share with them the message that you and I believe and hold dear. The fact that Jesus saves. We need to vocalize what we know about our Savior. Psalm 22, verse 22 says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Psalm 66, verse 16. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. It does us good to share with others what God is doing in our lives. Not for the sake of bragging, saying, look at me. No, but look at God and what he's done. I'm thankful that God loves me and God watches over me and he directs me and protects me and prepares me and provides for me. We ought to rejoice in knowing that God is involved so closely in our lives. And like David, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, why not share that good news with others? Psalm 73, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. We see that same thought over and over again throughout the word of God. Telling others what we believe to be true about the Lord. It didn't look like it was at all possible the children of Israel would ever move from where they were in the land of Goshen, there in Egypt. But Joseph knew in his heart that that was going to take place. He believed God, and he was willing to tell others about what he believed. Then Hebrews 11.22 goes on to say, "...made mention of the departing of the children of Israel." Some of you are probably still in the book of Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 50, if you would. Genesis chapter 50, verse 24. Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 and 25, which is what we see here uh, in regard to this account in Hebrews, and this is the passage it refers to. Genesis 50, 24 says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from thence. 
The phrase will surely is spoken twice in these two verses, and it emphasizes the strong conviction or persuasion, if you will, of Joseph's faith when he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. Here we see he was persuaded, he was confident that God was going to do what he said he would do. He believed that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob before him that the children of Israel would inherit the land, and he wanted to see God do that, and he not only voiced his belief, but he was confident that it would take place. You see, true faith is dogmatic about the promises of God. There are hundreds of promises in the Word of God. And we, as God's children, have the right to claim every one of those promises that apply to us. And we need not do so with hesitation or apprehension, but with confidence knowing that God can and will do exactly what He said He would do. You see, there needs to be more convenient, more believers today who are convinced that God is true, that God is not a liar, and He will do exactly what he said he would do. Yes, God will keep his promises. And that'd be a good place for amen, even if you don't say amen. God will do what he said he would do. His word and his will ought to be the center of our focus. The phrase God will appears 52 times in scripture. And most of the times it refers to this topic, this subject, God will will accomplish what he said he would do. First Chronicles 28.20 David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of a good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee, and he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Psalm 18, verse 28, For thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Yes, God promised to guide his children in the way. Psalm 49, 15, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Isaiah 41, 13, I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand. Isaiah 50 verse 7. The Lord God will help me, therefore I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. God will help us. God will light our lamp. God will hold us. On Micah chapter 7 verse 7. Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for, for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Over and over and over again, we have promises in his word that demonstrate his commitment to us as his children to provide, to protect, to prepare, to lead, to strengthen, to help in the way. Why do we not take God at his word? God promised it. We ought to believe it. Joseph was convinced that God would do what he said he would do. Therefore, he said, make, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. An illustration along this line would be that of Hugh Latimer. Hugh Latimer was a, a great preacher of yesteryear who once preached before King Henry VIII. King was greatly displeased by the boldness in the sermon and ordered Latimer to preach again on the following Sunday and apologize for the offense he had given. 
Sounds like a lot of people today, huh? The next Sunday, after reading his text, he thus began his sermon. Hugh Latimer, dost thou know before whom thou art this day to speak? To the high and mighty monarch, the king's most excellent majesty, who can take away thy life if thou offendest. Therefore take heed that thou speakest not a word that may displease. But then consider well, Hugh, dost thou not know from whence thou comest, upon whose message thou art sent, even by the great and mighty God, who is all present, and who beholdeth all thy ways, and who is able to cast thy soul into hell. Therefore, take care that thou deliverest thy message faithfully. After he made that statement, he then preached the same message he did the week before with considerable more energy. Latimer was bold before the king of England because he was more interested in what the Lord thought of his message than what Henry VIII thought of his message. He believed God and was persuaded that God is right and that he is always right, whether mankind agrees or not. You know the scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. It would do well for us to follow that example. We're warned in scripture to not be afraid of their faces, but to believe God and to obey him no matter what the cost. And then we see not only the perseverance of faith, the proclamation of faith, the persuasion of faith, but we see Joseph's patience of faith. Hebrews 11.22 goes on to say, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. It's an interesting statement. Joseph was dying in a foreign land with his family finally settled in Goshen. Yet he believed the impossible that one day the children of God would enter into the promised land and thus enjoy that which God promised they would. Therefore he commanded that his bones be taken with them when they returned to the land. See, true faith can wait for the promises of God to be fulfilled. True faith is undaunted by delay. Joseph demonstrated his patience by referring to his bones rather than his body. Remember, the Egyptians had pretty much perfected the art of embalming the body. We know through mummification, the remains would last for thousands of years, as has been discovered. But he wasn't planning on his body being around when the children of Israel made their way to the promised land. He didn't know how long it would take, but he knew it would be a while. So he said, take my bones, not my body. You see, he didn't want to be buried in Egypt. He didn't want his body to remain in the land of Egypt, which would have been akin to the land of the heathen. He didn't want his remains to be entombed in some shrine or pyramid there in the land. No, he wanted to be buried in the land of his forefathers. But he knew his body wouldn't make it. He said, take my bones with you. The point is this. Faith prefers the promises of God 
over the prestige of the world and is willing to wait for God to bring about his blessings in his good time. Romans 14, 8 says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. So whether now or later, we do right, for we belong to God. Psalm 59, verse 9 says, Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Waiting is a hard thing to do for us as the children of God. It's hard for us to do as as people. But all when we wait on the Lord, how blessed we may be. Great verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, all of you are familiar with, but says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If only we would learn to wait on God and not be in such a rush sometimes to bring about our own results. In this series, we've already seen the consequences of those who got ahead of the Lord. How about Abraham, who had a son named Ishmael? Ishmael was not the son of promise. Oh, no. And that son, along with Isaac, represent a difference between two people, nations of this world, who have seen conflict ever since the time those boys were young. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Joseph. Joseph wanted the promises of God, but he said, I know it's going to take a while. I was thinking this morning about this in the rapture. Well, we're looking forward to the rapture, aren't we? The time when God calls us home, when Christ comes to the clouds with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel and declares, come up hither, according to Romans, or Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible tells us the dead in Christ shall be raised and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a wonderful day that will be. There's three possibilities in regard to the rapture in connection with us. All who are saved, all of us will be caught up in the rapture for it will happen quite soon. Or some of us will be caught up in the rapture for it will take place but a time down the road after some of us have passed from this life to the next. The third possibility is none of us will be taken up in the rapture because it doesn't come until after all of us have passed away. Those three possibilities. Now, I hope it's the first. I really do, and I'm sure you do as well. But whether the rapture happens today or not for another hundred years, he's coming again. We have that promise, and we simply need to wait until God in his good time and according to his good pleasure will set forth those things that set into motion the, uh, the great tribulation period and the, uh, the millennial reign to follow. And God's got a plan, and he's going to go ahead and fulfill his will according to his plan, not ours. All the patience of faith says, I believe God. He's going to do what he says he was due. I would love to see it in my lifetime, but if not, I'll see the results of it from heaven. An author once penned the words to this poem. 
Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman, but never in a man. Uh, These lines are a bit humorous, but sad to say, it's, it's pretty much true. Patience is a lost art. Our mothers, and I'm sure many of them did, used to say, patience is a virtue. Well, it was a virtue we weren't really that impressed with at the time when we were younger. But uh, as we get older, we see its great value. Life becomes busy, schedules hectic, and patience is lost in the midst of it all. One of the reasons patience is lost is our flawed view of love. For if we love the Lord with all our heart and our soul and our strength and our mind and our neighbor as ourself, we'll be okay with the way the Lord lets things play out in our lives. And we'll be fine with his timetable. Fred Leibowitz is credited with saying the opposite of talking isn't listening, it's waiting. And someone has said patience comes from a daily submission to the Lord. Joseph's great act of faith was vocalizing his confidence in God no matter how long it took God to work things out. He believed God had chosen his family to be the promised seed and he believed that God was going to one day give them the promised land. Joseph's faith was an undying faith. All his body was dying But his faith in God was as strong as ever. He knew one day he would rest in the promised land. And we are equally, if not more, convinced that one day we will enter into our rest, into our eternal home in glory. Paul wrote, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And lest we forget, Psalm 116 reminds us precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. God is more anxious about our getting to heaven than we are. When I say anxious, I think he's more interested in us hurrying home than we are. Let's not be guilty of holding on to the things of this world too tightly and forget that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord.